Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Maps Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into the Mavericks 132-126 matinee game loss versus the Phoenix Suns yesterday. It was a rough affair, a sort of battle of the stars where we really saw the Luka and Kyrie versus Booker and KD effect to an absolute T. Um, it was only KD's third game with the Suns. Obviously, a really high-scoring affair, but the Mavericks' defense at times wasn't even really that bad. It was just a very gut-wrenching loss overall, especially, you know, how the game ended up ensuing there at the end where we had the whole Luka and Booker scuffle because of Luka missing a potentially wide-open game-tying layup. Jaron, what are your quick thoughts on the Mavericks' loss to the Suns yesterday? Uh, You know, I, I think that this is one where – Yes, it sucks, but at the same time, um, I still feel like there's many facets that this team could have won. Uh, one of those being if Luca, you know, hadn't hit like two of his shots. Uh, like I, I know that's counterintuitive, and I know you can say, you know, if someone had hit another shot, we'd be in a different situation. But Luca, needless to say, didn't have the best game, uh, and I still feel like if it was a normal game from him, we probably would have beat this team. Um, I know it's KD's third game with the Suns, so they're probably still figuring some things out, but. It kind of seems like they're in playoff form. They're ready to win. Uh, they've been doing their thing, and I, I still feel like that this Mavericks team could have beat them. Uh, but without, you know, a doubt, like we did lose. Uh, but I, I just want to say, like, this will be if or when they do meet up in the playoffs. It'll be an interesting series, and I, I think that you can tally that one as um, one of the biggest what ifs if it doesn't happen, and probably one of the best playoff series maybe ever uh, if it does happen. So. Interested to see. Definitely next time that these two meet, it will have to be in the playoffs uh, if they do, but looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to talking about it because it was an interesting, really fun game. Uh, I would say it's probably like the most interesting slash fun or however you want to title it, loss of the year. So, Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with you from that standpoint. I mean, you have no way of actually forecasting how a playoff series would turn out, of course, but just based on this team and the rivalry, the rivalry that has evolved, especially after last year's playoff series, along with how this game finished, you can definitely see the smoke in the water there and how if this playoff series were to come into fruition, um, it would be very competitive. And regardless of who won, there would be a lot of ch- uh, chirping back and forth. So it was a really fun game, but the Mavericks only do have 17 games of the season left in the season and every loss is more and more degrading. So from that perspective, it was obviously very gut-wrenching. Um, it was one of those tough pills to uh, swallow as a fan, having seen the Mavericks in this one, um, you know, just with another clutch time loss where they fell apart late in that fourth quarter after, you know, being up for a majority of the third quarter. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it a total and utter collapse. They were facing a very high-powered offensive Suns team who, you know, stars and Katie and Booker in particular can get a shot off wherever they want at any time. And they were hitting some really tough shots tonight. 
I mean, I guess yesterday rather, because the game was a matinee game, but it still doesn't really ease the wound whatsoever uh, just because of how, I guess, harder it was for the Mavericks to be able to guard them in this game. You know, it's not necessarily like one of the, like the OKC loss earlier this year where you just are kind of, you know, left with your head scratching after the game, just due to the fact of how much of a collapse it was. And, you know, the whole lesser opponent complex, the Mavericks didn't play down to their opponent today, but they still definitely suffered a blow that was not negligible by any means. And it could definitely come back to haunt them as they approach the playoffs here with 17 games left. It wraps the season up with the, the season series up with the Suns, where I believe the Mavericks went two and two. So we'll have to see how all that plays out, but we'll be getting into today, into today's or into yesterday's game, of course. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor anchor. All right, Jaren. So getting into this one, as we started there in that first quarter, I think a big narrative that we can take away was the struggles that Luka Doncic had. I believe he went one for seven in that first quarter. It appeared as if he was kind of wincing after a couple plays, battling a little bit of an injury, just wasn't really able to hit his shots as simple as that when he was getting into the paint and he was attacking from the perimeter. He was leaving things short a little bit or things were going in and out. The Mavericks still were able to sort of ride the coattails of some hot shooting by Tim Hardaway Jr. towards the end of the quarter, as well as uh, Kyrie really spearheading the attack. But they did come away losing that first quarter, 31 to 25. How did you think the game started for them, Um, particularly, you know, just offensively with Lucas' slow start, um, as well as defensively? Because I thought defensively they actually, particularly in that first quarter, was one of their better quarters despite giving up 31 points. Um, just from the methods that they were instituting to be able to, um, you know, trap KD and Booker towards the end once they started getting hot. And, I mean, they, they played them good straight up at the beginning and they, they missed a few shots, but once they started to cook, it was really just not much they could do about it. So how did you, what did you think about the first quarter in its entirety? Yeah, I mean, the first quarter definitely started out slow from both ends by the Mavericks. Uh, you know, Luca, of course, got off to his slow start. Um, I think it was in that first quarter, at least towards the end, you know, he was starting to grimace as he was like kind of going down the court. Like, I feel like I, I don't think we ever really knew what it was, but I, I only have to assume it was that heel or that ankle or whatever it was. Some some sort of foot injury is what I would guess. But um, other than that, like, I think the Mavericks, like I said, started out slow, definitely finished the quarter a little bit better. Um, I think the I feel like the Suns went up by nine points or 11 points at one point um, whenever Jason Kidd called a timeout. And it kind of seems like after that timeout, uh, they got they got their things together. They got their offense together and it it all started trickling together. I know that they ended up the quarter down by six. It didn't help that. I think Katie hit like a a three pointer late in the game or late, not late in the game, but late in the first quarter um, to kind of extend that lead. But uh, I, I still feel like you know, you said it was a better, one of their better defense quarters. I would kind of disagree there just from the sense that I, I feel like the Suns shot like 66% from the field in that corner, in that quarter. And it was all counterintuitive from the, you know, perimeter defense, allowing things inside. Um, and, you know, whenever you have Dwight Powell playing, there's really not much you can do whenever it comes inside. Um, and it was all Devin Booker, all Kevin Durant sort of scoring on that borderline paint uh, kind of elbow area. I I think that's, you know, I, I knew that you said it's better and they definitely picked it up as the quarter went along. But um, I just think, you know, whether it was, you know, closing out too quick or 
the offensive player having the better first step, whatever it was. I just think that um, they got things really going uh, by scoring inside the paint. And that's kind of how, like, that's kind of what, you know, sort of defeated the Mavericks throughout this whole game was just that narrative of getting inside and scoring. Um, I know, like I said, they sort of not clamped up, but it sort of got a little bit better as the quarter went along. And especially as the game went along, there was times where it was a lot better um, defensively, but I still feel like that was sort of the narrative set. And they started out, you know, in the first two minutes, they went up like 12 to four or whatever it was. Um, and I, from there, like, it kind of seemed like they had the game in locks, but Mavericks still fought back. Uh, they had a 11 point lead or eight point lead. I, forget, I think it was eight point lead at one point um, in that game. And without further ado, I mean, we saw the ending, of course, it was fun, but uh, I, I still, I think in that first quarter, it was a little slow start, but they definitely picked it up. Yeah, I think particularly the starters definitely had some lackluster moments defensively, but I think I was more alluding to the rotations and the team defense that the Mavericks played. I thought that their man-to-man defense honestly got better as the game went along as they started throwing different guys at KD, where we saw Frank, Justin Holiday, some of those other guys get looks on KD on defense. But in that first quarter, I thought in particular the Mavericks just had like active hands and they were you know, even if they were getting beat off of KD and Booker mid-range shots and those guys were able to get the first step and get a defender on their hip, I, I don't know. It just didn't feel as if there was, like, much they could really do about it, as skilled as those guys are. So I guess that's the reason I said that, but I do see you see your point for sure. Nonetheless, as the Mavericks uh, went ahead and got into the second quarter there, um, you know, they, they were able to eliminate some of the leakage that happened in the first quarter, particularly as you allude to with DeAndre Ayton, the Suns, we know when they were able to penetrate on, you know, X, whatever Mavericks defender, they were doing a good job getting it to him in the dunker spot. And he was able to, I think he had like six points in the first quarter and scored like three the rest of the game or something of that nature. And the Mavericks just had a really tough time playing the pick and roll. There were a few times that they ended up trying to trap KD or Booker and it backfired on them by leaving DeAndre Aiden wide open in the pick and roll and, you know, creating that four and three scenario to where, you know, you either was able to just go up for a layup or, you know, pass it back out to consolidate to one of their perimeter shooters. So that obviously created some issues, but, you know, once he took a little bit of a rest there and some of the rebounding burden that he was relieving from the Suns was gone. I definitely thought that the intensity was, you know, able to be directed a little more on, KD and Booker because the Mavericks weren't having to all you know when they're rotating a guy over from you know the the weak side or from the painted area when those guys would start to penetrate they don't have as big of a you know offensive threat in there with Aiden you know as compared to like Jock Landale so I think that that was a big reason as to why the Mavericks could really uh, furnish their perimeter defense and they were able to get after it a little more even in the second quarter which I would probably um, diagnose as their best defensive quarter of the game it's the only one where they only where they held the Suns under 30 and they also had a really good scoring game you know Luca came back in I believe with like five ish minutes after kind of battling with an injury he came in a little later in the second quarter than he typically does but you know he finally he made a three he really started to use a different variety of up fakes especially in the post to you know, draw some of those lesser Phoenix defenders in like Terrence Ross and he was getting to the foul line starting to eat and Kyrie 
was just doing a really masterful job snaking the pick and roll and getting to his spots in the mid range. And the Mavericks were able to sort of ride the coattails of that along with Tim Hardaway Jr.'s insanely hot shooting, particularly at the beginning of the second quarter where, I mean, he was making transition threes, uh, catch and shoot for threes. I mean, at one point he got fouled on a three-pointer above the break and made all of his free throws. He was doing, I mean, it was just the, you know, typical ultimate Tim Hardaway Jr. offensive game when he gets fiery from three. And the Mavericks were huge benefactors from that. And it was exciting to watch. Along with that, he didn't even necessarily play the most terrible defense. I thought it was one of his better games of the year. So I think that they had a really good second quarter because of that. But nonetheless, the script kind of seemed to flip come the second half a little bit as we see time in and time again with this Mavericks team, where, you know, once Aiton really came back in and got um, a more established role in that third quarter, you could definitely see the pressure on the rim that was put by the Suns in there definitely came back to haunt the Mavericks because it allowed KD or Booker to be able to get their spots without as much trapping or without as much double teams at the point of attack. What fell apart for the Mavericks defensively um, in the second half of that game? And how did that lead to their ultimate demise in the end? Yeah, I think it was more so Phoenix ability to kind of collapse inside the paint. Um, the Mavericks, you know, still playing the perimeter defense or at least man on man defense that they were playing in the second quarter. Whereas you alluded to, I feel I, I agree with you. I think it was their best quarter defensively. Uh, but heading into that third quarter, I think something, you know, I want to say Kevin Durant entered that quarter with like 17 points at, at half and then finished it with like 30. Um, like pretty much through that whole entire third quarter, it was just easy offense, whether it was ISO offense. Uh, I think Chris Paul got it going from deep. Um, it, it really wasn't effective, like in the pick and roll or anything like that. I just think uh, Phoenix's ability to collapse the defense and sort of kick out was their best bet. And whether it was that or, you know, Kevin Durant or even Devin Booker, for that matter, working inside. Um, I know Devin Booker got quite a bit of paints from just like the layup line, pretty much. Um, he was able to easily get inside and pretty much score whatever he wanted to do, whether it was off the backboard or whatever it was. Um, I just think that was sort of their best bet was sort of collapsing the defense. Um, it wasn't Dallas's best defensive effort in that third quarter. If anything, I would probably tally that as like the worst defensive quarter uh, throughout this game, at least. But I, you know, I still feel like I'm trying to think of like who the lineups were, but you know, whenever Tim Hardaway's out there, whenever Luca's out there, uh, those are guys that are, you know, at least throughout this game, net negatives. I, I know Tim Hardaway had one of his best defensive games, but rotationally, it's still, you know, it's a Tim Hardaway rotational defensive game. Um, and even for Luca, that mattered. He just really no effort given on defense, uh, at least through most of that game and especially through that third quarter. But I think defensively, it fell apart for the Mavericks. Um, they allowed the Suns to kind of get back in it whenever they had not the game in their hands, but, you know, they had a sizable lead. And they they kept a sizable lead through at least most of that third quarter. But as soon as, you know, you know, that fourth quarter time starts coming down, we've seen it time and time again where the Mavericks, you know, they can't just hold on to a lead. Uh, their offense starts to diminish. And that's kind of what happened. Uh, Phoenix was able to exploit, you know, the one-on-one -on -one defense from the Mavericks. They were getting the matchups they wanted. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, and even offensively, things kind of slowed a little bit. They didn't fall apart or anything, but they slowed down a little bit for the Mavericks. And um, I, I think that's just sort of what led into the fourth quarter demise, if you want to tally it as that. I think it was, like I said, a great game. 
Um, but it had its moments for Mavericks, you know, defensively and more so in that third quarter, I think was uh, really just a black hole at times on defense. Yeah, no, I definitely would tend to agree with you, uh, especially just how the fourth quarter offense ended up stalling out at the end there because the Mavericks didn't really have any offensive woes throughout large stretches of, of large stretches of this game. I mean, despite the issues that we alluded to earlier with Luca and really just his inability to, you know, make anything tonight. I mean, it almost seemed as if he was like aiming at points and he was getting frustrated and he was slow to get back on defense, you know, clamoring to the rest all night. They were still, I mean, just by virtue of the penetration that he and Kyrie were creating. I mean, they had, I guess, I mean, Luca had one of his lower assist games in this one and he had five turnovers, which, you know, the Mavericks only had 10 turnovers as a whole, but a lot of Luca's turnovers did seem to come to be like very lackadaisical or, you know, if he was getting trapped, they were just like simple throwaways. It, it didn't just, he just didn't seem maybe as savvy and as um, bright eyed as he usually is in that aspect. But I mean, at the end of the day, he still ended up having 34 points despite how I guess just limited his offensive game was in this one, given the constraints, I guess he was putting on himself. And I mean, that in itself and speaks to how good he is, but nonetheless, it was definitely a big inhibition on the Mavericks at times. And they actually started at the fourth quarter really well. Cause I mean, in that second half towards the end of the third and fourth quarter, I mean, Christian Wood really started to catch fire offensively and he was not a black hole defensively by any means. I mean, he wasn't, you know, that coveted rib protector or anything, but he was still doing decent against Aiden. And when he was in switch scenarios against smaller guys, uh, because the Mavericks were very switch heavy tonight. I mean, you can definitely tell that they were kind of trying to throw the kitchen sink at some of these, um, you know, some of the Suns playmakers and KD and um, Devin Booker. They played a little bit of matchup zone. Uh, they were just throwing a plethora of wing defenders and trapping them at different points. But in summation, it just ended up really just not mattering too much because, I mean, really the, the Mavericks don't have the defensive personnel to be able to counteract a team like the Suns, nor does really anybody in the league. But, I mean, the Mavericks even more so than a lot of teams, just with the amount of length that the Suns have offensively and the way that those guys are able to create shots at a moment's notice. So, I mean, I, I thought that they did as good as they could have, but I don't know if there was necessarily any rotation that was a solvent to their issues tonight, to be honest with you. I guess that's why I'm not – I don't come away from this game thinking, oh, we should have played this one. You know, like there's different teams that I will – you know, come away from the game thinking the Mavericks should have went to X, Y, or Z. This game was really just not one of them because of how good that Suns team is offensively. But um, the Mavericks, you know, they had got themselves into a shootout, and I think that they knew that. And the non-Luka minutes in the fourth quarter actually are really good. We've had some sort of struggles, I guess, as of recent with Kyrie and Christian Wood playing together um, in the non-Luka minutes just – how I guess ball dominant it gets at times from them uh, just from more so the perspective that the offensive flow doesn't seem there at times when the Mavericks aren't able to get running in transition. Um, not necessarily, I guess, with Kyrie and his isolation attempts, but sometimes when Christian Wood stalls out possessions, there's been a little bit of that, but I mean, he's still been mildly effective, but I mean, tonight he was doing just a great job uh, pinpointing mismatches and getting to the rim as well as when Aiden was in there and kind of stretching the floor on him, he made a three in that, fourth quarter, I believe. And, you know, the Mavericks sort of rode it out with Christian Wood until about three minutes left and the offense started to get a little bit stale from there. And I'm not saying that Christian Wood um, in himself was a direct resultant or cause, I guess, rather 
of the offense stalling out in those last couple of minutes. But, you know, I, I do think he was pretty essential to readying the storm and keeping the Mavericks back in the game in that fourth quarter, just the way that he was able to uh, be such a, you know, such a dynamic role and pop of, um, type of guy. So that was interesting to see. Um, but Jaron, you know, obviously the Mavericks, just a, another clutch time loss here. And, you know, you can play devil's advocate and talk about just how good the Suns were and, you know, how it's unfair with the just amount of star power that they have offensively. I mean, Chris Paul, I mean, yes, I get he's old, but he was still relegated to like just a complimentary role in this one and really not even having to like set these. He's not even really like it's not like they're running KD and Booker off of a ton of pin downs. I mean, yes, they ran like off ball actions to get them the ball in their spots at times, but it was just more so like a ton of them just being able to take Mavericks defenders off the dribble and things of that nature. What exactly led to the Mavericks losing yet another clutch time game? And how did they fall apart down the stretch? Yeah, this is a narrative that I feel like we've been talking since game one. Um, since they played the Suns for the first time, the, the offense just sort of stagnates and the defense collapses as well. Um, you know, Phoenix was able to really pick things up offensively, um, whether it was getting Booker involved, getting Kevin Durant involved. Like, um, I know KD kind of had a quiet uh, beginning of the fourth quarter and then definitely picked it up and made some noise later as the game went along. But, um, you know, Booker was just continuing to harp really inside and just sort of make whatever defender was on him, make him look stupid. Um, you know, it didn't matter if it was Holiday, Reggie Bullock, um, Nilakina, whoever it was. Uh, it, it just didn't look like anybody could do anything. And he was able to really exploit any ISO matchup that he was able to get. Um, I, I think, you know, it wasn't necessarily anything that the Suns were doing. You know, Chris Paul, like you said, he was sort of devoted to a complimentary role and was still able to find an effective way to score throughout the game. Uh, from you know three point range and whatever it was, and he ended up I think it was like seven assists and six rebounds, like a, a decent game from him. Um, and yeah, of course you know Aiton he was able to get things off the boards, uh, and I think you know it definitely slowed up. Like it kind of seemed like as the Mavericks really in that third quarter mark or uh, three minute mark, whenever they took out Christian Wood, is kind of when everything stagnated. And I don't know if that's a direct correlation or not. Um, to me, it kind of looks like that. And I think what Christian Wood was able to do was, and I know like this is sort of what he does is just spread the floor. And especially a guy against Aiton um, who, you know, you can have sort of play in that dunker defensive spot. Uh, and he's a, he's a good drop coverage, big, like whatever you run in that fashion is going to, you know, allow him to play his best basketball. That, that's what I'm trying to say. So having Christian Wood on the floor spreads him out. Um, creates easier paint points. Kyrie Irving, you know, we definitely saw him devote that and definitely, you know, exploit that. Um, Luca, of course, he's sort of got a things going. Um, you know, I, I just think it kind of seemed like as soon as they took out Christian Wood, Dow Dwight Powell just, I'm not saying it was his fault, but it just slowed up the offense. Um, you know, he's not a guy that can really spread the floor, and we know this. Um, you know, you have to run him through staggers. You have to run him through uh, pick and rolls, whatever it is. And we saw one, you know, to tie up the game, with like 30 seconds left, we saw it work, but that was maybe the only time all game and probably the only time in the last like three games that that's worked. Uh, but yeah, I mean, defensively, there's really just nothing that you can do against two guys that are so ISO heavy. And, you know, especially against a seven foot Kevin Durant who can shoot anything and make anything. There's, I mean, there's nothing you can really do. Um, but yeah, definitely offense stagnated and slowed up 
uh, to me, it seemed like another Christian would win out. Yeah, no, I would definitely concur. I wouldn't say that there was necessarily like empty possessions for the Mavericks, but their bulk of their possessions looked a lot more laborsome just in terms of how they had to operate, particularly like uh, Luca and Kyrie could tell that they were having to take some tougher shots. And, you know, they were, Luca was able to get to the free throw line a few times. Uh, but nonetheless, those, those issues still kind of tended to persist. But, you know, if we fast forward to the end of the game here, you know, Christian Wood went around, went out at that like three minute and 45 second marker. And, you know, the Mavericks had a flurry of few possessions where they kind of traded offense back and forth. You know, KD made a shot in that time span. Luca made a couple of layups, as, as did Kyrie. And Ish, Ish Wainwright made, I guess he only made one three at that point. He made a, one with five minutes and 19 seconds left, but they were both by virtue of Luca just not closing out on him whatsoever. I mean, who knows if he makes that shot. Otherwise, you know, he obviously doesn't have the most insane track record as a shooter, to say the least. But, and I, I mean, I get that the Mavericks, you know, they want to pick their poison and things of that nature against a team as uber talented like the Suns, but you at least want to get a hand up in that scenario. And they, they let Ish Wainwright kind of pick them apart with some of those corner threes that they were conceding to him, particularly Luca. Um, but the Suns um, got a put back with 47 seconds left off of a Devin Booker jump shot, which honestly was pretty good defense by the Mavericks. And DeAndre Aiden was able to tip it up. And it was 126 to 124 at that time. Then the Mavericks, um, they ran a double screen at the top of the key. And Dwight Powell was able to get wide open for an alley-oop. It was one of the few that Aiton actually conceded in this game. He did a very good job, as you said, like dropping back. And even when he had to play switch coverage on, you know, smaller guys, I mean, he allowed a few Lucas step backs. But other than that, he wasn't really letting any of the Mavericks point of attack ball handlers besides really Kyrie get to any of their spots. Um, just shows the sort of dynamism of him as, you know, his ability to switch out into small sometimes. But that obviously hurt them down the stretch. Um, but after that, you know, Dwight Powell alley-oop with about 32 seconds left, the game's tied. And then, you know, Kevin Durant just basically sinks into a 14-foot pull-up jump shot, really tough guard. You know, you had two guys kind of jump up at him as well with 12 seconds left, makes it. Mavericks take a timeout with 11 games left. And then, you know, the ensuing possession, Josh Okoge enters back in the game after having not played for a while. And Luca's able to you know, make a spin move on him, create some space, and he kind of bumps him, and Josh Kogi goes flying backwards, and it leads to a wide-open layup. I don't know if Luca was, like, surprised as to how wide open he was at kind of at point-blank range, but it was a weird angle from the perspective that he couldn't really bank it off the backboard, or it would have been a little more counterintuitive to do that. Uh, but nonetheless, he he misses it. It goes in and out. It's just a tough, you know, bang-bang play. And then we see the whole beef unfold with him and Devin Booker as Kevin as Devin Booker starts kind of pointing to the floor where Luka Doncic missed a shot trying to show showcase I guess how close it was and how easy of a look that he missed and then they kind of get in each other's face at the other end of the floor you know they're still kind of chirping back and forth to get separated then Kyrie ends up chirping a little bit of Booker down the floors uh, after Luka fouls Kevin Durant who makes the next two free throws to seal the game what did you think of that whole sequence and you know how that sort of I guess, pseudo beef unfolded because it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, I think all the people are playing it out to be, but it definitely aids to the whole rivalry scene with the Mavericks and the Suns, especially after that playoff series unfolds. And I think that's why it's significant, especially the whole Luca Booker complex and how they're going at each other. How do you, and, you know, obviously Luca said post game that he would have wished that Devin Booker had talked 
and trash talk throughout the game versus just when they got up in the last couple minutes. I mean, I don't know if Devin Booker had been, but that's just, of course, Luca's anecdote. It was obviously, you know, fun from a fan perspective, but you hate to be on the wrong side of that given the Mavericks were losing. What did you think of that whole sequence, and did it get you fired up for a potential playoff um, matchup versus the Suns? Yeah, I mean, to answer the easy part of that, it definitely did get me fired up. Um, it, it got me, it, you know, whenever whenever you see them getting in each other's face and Luca's the one with a big smile on his face, like that that gets you excited about whatever's going to happen next. Um, I, I know with the late game comments, Devin Booker said that he was kind of talking to the referee. Um, and now looking at it, it doesn't, it, it kind of looks like he was talking to the ref, but as he was walking away, he started looking at Luca. And I think that's whenever Luca took offense. And of course, you know, that whole ensuing action happened. Um, but I, I still feel like, you know, this is one where the Mavericks had it in their hands and, you know, didn't give it up, but it was definitely one where they could have won. Um, and I know, you know, it wasn't Luca's best game. He had missed multiple shots from kind of that range anyways. Um, and so you just kind of have to expect that or not, not expect that, but you, you just can't be, you know, too mad. That that's one where a, a class act athlete is going to, you know, miss probably one time out of every thousand attempts. And that's exactly what happened. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, through all the chirping that happened and I know, Ke- or especially with the Kyrie action, I know that that's a guy who, you know, needless to say has player relations with pretty much anybody in the league um for him to kind of you know start chirping and start talking to Devin Booker I, I I don't know if it was after the game or uh it was like just Katie who said to the free throw line okay all right so yeah I guess like during that like that's something that definitely fires you up because like I said Kyrie is one of the guys who's you know very close to damn near every NBA player and to see him chirping you know back and forth with Booker and I think at this point I think it's safe to say that, you know, Booker doesn't have a whole lot of fans. I'll, I'll admit that. Um, uh, in Dallas, at least. <laughs> yeah, at least, yeah, in Dallas. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely got me fired up. Um, you know, it definitely plays to the whole drama of Game 7, you know, last year. Um, heck, even times that this year they've gotten butted, they've gotten in heads or uh, they've gotten in, you know, little scuffles, whatever it was. Um, you know, with Game 1, you know, we saw that happen. Uh, and pretty much every game throughout then we've seen it happen. But this was one where, you know, late in game, things start unfolding. I liked, you know, Booker's comments where he's like, this is what the NBA wants. And I liked Luca's comments where he was like, if you're going to talk trash, start talking trash earlier, not the last three seconds. Um, and it definitely plays into the effect of, you know, after game six where, um, you know, whenever everybody acting tough whenever they up. But uh, it is definitely fun where, you know, the I guess the fan interaction between Phoenix and Dallas was fun to see um because I won't lie I was kind of surfing through the comments and got me fired up a little bit but uh it was it was a fun game um and I, I think for it to end that way um you know being on the wrong side of it it sucked but it was also fun and you look forward to the next matchup which we hope to be in the playoffs either first round or second round but um with how things are playing out panning out it doesn't look like it'll be a first round matchup it looks like it'll be a second round matchup but Outside of that, um, I think it's one that gets you fired up about the season. This is definitely one where, uh, you know, Luca's going to be fired up to play the next few games. And I think that's what we need, especially with how we saw him play today, or uh, I guess yesterday. Yeah, the Mavericks, I mean, we say this every game, really, probably over the last like three to five, but the next 17 games of the season are absolutely paramount to their playoff positioning and how they're going to fare. You know, the West is just so tightly 
packed and it's such a log jam there that how the next 17 games play over are really, you know, indicative of like the direction of this team, not just for the rest of the season, but like heading into the off season and how we view this team. It's pretty crazy how that could all evolve. The West obviously is very, you know, uber competitive this year. Every team seems to almost be equal in a sense, like four through 13. So, you know, these, these wins matter, especially a game like this. And it, it sucks to drop a game like that. Like it, I even after knowing the final score and, you know, watching the rewatch because I was unable to watch it live, unfortunately, yesterday, like I still felt the sort of gut, gut wrenching aspect. I mean, to a lesser degree, because, you know, I knew the score, but I still felt it even, you know, watching the game knowing that we lost by four. So that obviously sucks, but, you know, we have to just sort of take it and move on because nothing else we can really do in terms of our fan consumption. But at least it wasn't a game where the Mavericks played down to their opponent or the effort wasn't necessarily there. One sort of observation I think we can pull away is that this team at least does a good job of getting up for big games as they did last year. But last year they were just a little bit better at closing against these lesser teams. And that's going to be also essential you know, the Mavericks have one of the easiest schedules, I believe, to close the regular season um, percentage-wise um, in terms of opposing teams' records. So they need to take advantage of that And because, you know, yes, while they do have some of these games um, against these comparable playoff opponents, they are also going to have a lot of games against, you know, lower-seeded teams who at this juncture in the season are really just looking to lose. And they're going to have to take advantage of that or else that is going to be something that is – really going to bounce them out of this playoff picture and possibly in the play-in more so than any of these matchups where, you know, they lose by a couple against a really good team. The Mavericks obviously don't have the defensive personnel, of course, to for us to really view them as contenders or anything of that nature. But at the same time, their, their offensive star power at times can just be so overwhelming to teams, especially now that we've seen the Luca and Kyrie fit really coming to fruition. You know, I, I think the fit has been there since day one, but we're really seeing just start starting to see how they're gelling offensively together rather than, you know, the whole just possession trade-off thing. And, you know, tonight, I don't know if it was the best example of that, despite the Mavericks scoring 126 points, they didn't really look as if they ran as much off-ball actions for either of those guys. Um, it did seem a little more isolation heavy, but at the same time, you know, the Suns were doing some different things to, sort of facilitate that and Kyrie took advantage and had Luca taken advantage this could have been a totally different ball game so you know we just got to move on from it as much as it sucks I guess if you want to get into some of the player performances of this game I guess we'll start you know with Luca if you have anything to add on I think we've talked about him at nauseum of course throughout this one especially you know I hate I hate to do this to the Luca stands of course but you know the defense and this one was not at its peak from him tonight of course and we, that's actually kind of a stark contrast to what we see in some of these nationally televised games. We usually see him get his defense up a little more. So, I mean, I, I think that the injury may have been bothersome to him, some other outside factors, but that was obviously part of it. Do you have any more add-ons, of course, to, you know, how he played offensively? If you know, you want to highlight anything good, because I feel like we kind of harped on him pretty heavily here. He did still score 34 points at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you can probably mark this down as one of the worst 34-point performances at least in his career um I mean just to like quickly brief over something he did good is he was able to really get to the foul line and really exploit uh the foul line he got to the I think he shot 19 free throws and he made 17 of them um uh, like that 
that's something that you really don't see a whole lot from him. I know he's improved a lot from the free throw line, but even still, like that volume of free throws, we don't really get to see him make. I mean, yeah, I thought you were meant like the volume of free throws he's taking because I mean, yeah, 19 is a lot, but he still gets to the foul line quite a bit. Oh, uh, like, even throughout the game, like I think he's averaging like 11 attempts a game, but um, this was one where at such high volume for him to make 17 of 19 is still for him that that's really good. Um, you know, another negative that I wanted to kind of pounce on was uh, I just felt like he settled throughout the game. You know, we saw this kind of early on in his career where, you know, if things aren't really going well, he just kind of settles at the three-point line, and that's exactly what we saw. We saw him, you know, take uh, either bad step backs or, you know, whatever it was. Like, none of them were, like, just awful misses, like air balls or anything like that, but it was just some matchups where you, you definitely could have got a better shot inside or, you know, took it, taking it to the hole, whatever it was, uh, and we definitely saw him settle for the three-point line, settle for a step back, and he went one of nine from the three-point line at this in this game, uh, and that was definitely – something you know especially throughout this year we don't see a whole lot of them do uh settle for that three-point line but this is one where it, it even felt like Luca settled at times and it definitely played into effect and it definitely played uh you know offensively and it harp not not played but it definitely hurt offensively for the Mavericks yeah no 100 percent his um like you said his just ability to uh not attack or really furbishes presence inside or you know he, he had a few lackadaisical turnovers that you know you definitely felt as if he wasn't putting as much pressure on the rim once he started to concede to the step back a little bit more and some of those turnovers are kind of by virtue of that he, you know when he'd get overwhelmed or trapped by the suns he a lot of the turnovers were just him you know not being necessarily in the best position um you know being lackadaisical when he's you know having to take that drag date drag dribble there were a few transition ones that were kind of just overthrows like I remember in that first half when he kind of just like overthrew Powell when he was trying to give him like a no look in transition so things like that obviously can really come to bite you in the back in a game like this I you know I don't necessarily say that's obviously not the only reason the Mavericks lost but him having a sort of down offensive game was part of it but that's not something I'm going to completely knock him for because I mean he still scored 30 14 in the day and he's obviously the you know main catalyst of the Mavericks offense so you know things happen and you know he had an off game even though it was on national television and everything I I would attribute his defense to this loss more so than anything he did offensively yeah I feel like we've touched up on Luca preferably or just more notably his negatives um of course we covered a little bit of positives but um next up I figured you know we'd talk about Kyrie um this was definitely in my opinion one of Kyrie's better games uh he ended the game with 30 points and it was definitely a really effective 30 points uh just the ability at which he scored offensively I thought was um really effective and you know something the Mavericks really didn't have all game just as sort of as you said like snaking the pick and roll uh getting down low getting downhill um multiple times he got fouled had an and one scenario um, he went seven of seven from the free throw line. So he was highly effective on the offensive end, even defensively at times, especially late in the game. Um, you know, whenever KD was kind of picked up pretty, pretty high up on the perimeter, um, he was sort of the guy to tail in that double team. Yeah, uh, he, he was doing a good job trapping in this. Yeah, no, he was doing a really good, tra- uh, really good job trapping. You know, as soon as, you know, Kevin Ray or Devin Booker crossed half court, it kind of seemed like he was the guy. I, I don't know. I assume that was something that was coached. Um, 
But at the same time, it didn't really look like there was any help defense to counteract that because at times Ish Wainwright, you know, he's the benefactor of, you know, just spreading the ball around uh, and getting that, you know, wide open corner shot. And I felt like it was kind of derived from that. But outside of that, you know, I felt like he had a, a, just an all around savvy game, especially offensively. Um, you know, he had that one extremely nice and one where it just kind of seemed like he was floating and, of course, got bumped um, and got it to fall and made the free throw. But yeah, defensively, I even still feel like he he had some a really effective defensive game. Like I said, you know, picking up the double team, picking up the trap, um, and even you know man on man defense. I felt like he was really really solid at times. Um, at times, it kind of looked like he was a black hole, but he was really the front runner of you know that second unit, especially early in that fourth quarter when everything's really got going um, offensively. He was sort of the tail the not tail. He was sort of the the main spearhead in that scenario. So I guess I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that and what how you felt about him. Yeah, I mean, I think that ever since Kyrie has joined this team, I mean, even more so amplified in these last couple games, we're just seeing the dynamism that persists when we have two ball handlers on the floor that are, you know, superstar level. And it's something that the Mavericks obviously didn't even have last year. You could argue that this evolution of Jalen Brunson is that, but even last year, I don't know if he was quite there yet um, for most of the regular season until maybe we got to the playoffs as, as good as he is. Um, just having a guy that is able to, you know, blow by anybody at a moment's notice and get you a basket uh, is truly invaluable. And I, I think Kyrie's really starting to get more comfortable facilitating in the Mavericks system, um, not just in terms of the, you know, lead pick and rolls at the top of the key and things of that nature. He, he's doing a lot more of that in those non-Luka minutes um, versus, you know, just straight isolation possessions. But he's also doing a really good job ball moving and he is very savvy. Um, you know, when the Mavericks end up getting in a four and three scenario, or you know, even if he's not, the Mavericks haven't really technically ran anything with him or Luca as a screener to facilitate other scenarios, which you are, you know, or you could argue that they could maybe try despite the fact that the defense would maybe switch that. But I mean, otherwise, like, you know, when the Mavericks are able to, you know, beat a guy off a closeout and then that sort of domino effect where they start swinging it around the, you know, the horn starts to happen. Kyrie's just really good about ball moving and, or knowing when to attack off a closeout and, you know, probing and snaking and trying to get into the lane. So things of that nature have, you know, been a huge help for this team. And I mean, it's just a stark contrast to, you know, be able to maintain really against any team. I, I think that that's one of my bigger takeaways. It's like the Mavericks are not as, they're probably just not as good as a lot of these teams, uh, but they can fight against anybody when you have Luca and Kyrie just from the perspective of how much you know the offense can open up and how much you're able to score if you just get a little bit of negative aggression on the other side if they can just get to average defensively which I don't know if they've shown that they can do yet in these last couple of games I, I think that there's still questions if they can even be an average defensive team but there are obviously signs of that and then there's um, some sort of slopes of that so we're gonna have to see how that per persists for sure but I mean his effect on this game was second to none and he was probably the Mavericks best player yesterday undoubtedly so he had a Hell of a game. Um, what do you think of how Josh Green played tonight? He almost had like virtually like no offensive contribution, but I mean, admittedly, like they didn't look to him really at all to relieve any of the offensive burden. Uh, I believe he took two threes, but I mean, he was relegated to definitely like catching and shooting. You could see that some of the sun's length and, you know, Aiden in particular had an effect on some of those times that we'll see Josh Green try to attack off a closeout and go into the paint. He didn't really do that tonight. Um, he was, you know, acting more as a ball mover and the Mavericks didn't really create the most turnovers tonight. You know, Booker and KD just do a really good job of taking care of the ball. 
the Suns only had nine turnovers as a whole. So, you know, he wasn't getting those transition opportunities that he so highly covets. Um, but I mean, I thought he played really good defense. He was primarily matched up on KD a lot when he gets in there. And that's a huge like length mismatch for KD. Uh, but Josh Green stayed as active as he could have. I, I was interested by that decision. I thought that they may have, you know, Booker is a guy who moves a little bit more without the ball. He's a little faster, more comparable in size to Josh Green. Uh, but they stuck Reggie Bullock for most of the time that he was in there on uh, Booker and they stuck Josh Green on KD. I mean, th- does that show a willingness from, you know, aside from, you know, Josh Green, obviously not really having too much of a role offensively tonight, um, just the way he played on KD and those spurts that he was matched up on him and, you know, the Mavericks diet, you know, diagnosing him to do that versus a guy like Bullock and some of the other um, defenders on this team. What does that show from the Mavericks staff in terms of their confidence in him as a defender? Yeah, I think he's definitely looked at defensively kind of as like the main spearhead in this. You know, Reggie Bullock, he offers that veteran defensive hardship. And of course, you know, he's a a great defender in his own rights. But I still think Josh is kind of that energy bringer and you have him on the starting lineup. Um, Even, you know, he's he's been matched up against the best guys on each team for really ever since his insertion in the starting lineup, minus those three games with Justin Holiday. Um, I think he just, like I said, brings a different intensity, brings a different energy um, defensively. And it's something that, you know, is kind of nobody on this team really brings, um, you know, Reggie in his own right, he's a good, he's a good defender. Um, he's really kind of, you know, the guy that you want to stick on sort of the more ball handling forward type guys. And that's something that, you know, Devin Booker really is sort of that off ball mover, um, a guy who can dribble, get his own shot and everything. And even KD in his own right is that, but, KD is a little more slower, uh, a little less explosive, I guess, if you're counting, you know, just physicality um, as something. And that's something that Josh Green like thrives in. It's just sort of being the counter to someone's long first step. And that's kind of what he did against Kevin Durant. You know, Kevin Durant, of course, in his own right, had an amazing game. He was able to get to pretty much any spot he wanted. And it's Kevin Durant. I mean, he's going to pull up on anybody and make any shot 10 out of 10 times. Uh, And that's exactly what he did. But I think, Josh was really the guy that um, facilitated the defense and really facilitated uh, whenever Kevin Durant was on his sort of down moments, it was really Josh Green on him. Um, I think that that was the biggest thing, you know, offensively you touched up on it, but yeah, it just wasn't really able to get in any flow, you know, rotationally in the offense, even, you know, in transition, there wasn't really many opportunities for him to run it. Uh, It kind of seems like him and Kyrie are those two guys in the lineup that, can really push the ball whenever it's a, a transition moment. We just didn't see much of it. Um, the Suns really limited their turnovers and really limited the fast break opportunities. And I think that kind of limits Josh Green as much as you can on offense. And that's exactly what we saw, even, you know, defensively, whenever it's a sort of around the horn moments and it was in Josh Green's hands, we'd like to see him close out, sort of kick out again and um, or just close out, drive to the paint and, you know, sort of kick out in another corner. But we didn't get to see any of that. Um, and I think it really just limited him offensively. Suns did a really good job of that, but at the same time, um, it led for open guys like Reggie. Um, I know he knocked down a few threes in this one and even Kyrie for at moments. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I think that you could definitely see that teams are starting to respect him a little more, uh, just his ability to get inside to the paint and attack guys off the dribble. You can see that the paint gets a little more crowded when he goes in there, but I mean, it's just a tough ask against, you know, a guy like Akogi, I mean, I know the Suns lost a lot of their wing depth, of course. And, you know, that's one of the hallmarks of those trades, obviously, is giving up Ken Johnson and Mikhail Bridges. But they, I mean, they still got like capable guys. And especially with 
Katie Booker and, you know, just the offensive firepower that they have in that starting lineup, their stars are able to hone in a little more on the defensive side now that they've had a little bit of that offensive burden relief in them. So, I mean, you know, guy with KD and his length or even Booker as a guy who competes defensively, at least that that's, it's a, it's obviously just a tough ask for him to be able to, you know, just night in and night out, have a great offensive game. Every time you would have liked to at least seen a little more tonight. And I do think maybe his confidence was hampered a little bit after getting taken out of that starting lineup because we're not even like seeing any attempts and he only went over two tonight. So I would, you know, I, I would like a call to action in terms of just maybe a slightly increased shot diet, um, especially against teams where he can, he can take advantage of those mismatches and, you know, teams that aren't as dynamic as the Suns. But nonetheless, I mean, I thought he played as good as he could have defensively. He was running through screens. He was doing a good job, uh, whether he was matched up on Booker or KD. So, I mean, props to him for that. What did you think of uh, Reggie's game tonight? Um, I thought, I mean, yesterday, I keep saying tonight, but um, he made a few threes. And, I mean, I thought he played really good rotational defense. And aside from getting blown by a couple times on KD and Booker, which, you know, can be expected with guys of that, um, you know, level of offensive space creation. I thought he really did as good as he could have. And, you know, he made a couple threes. I we're all honestly, I mean, he even attacked off a closeout and made a layup at one point, which like really surprised me because he actually kind of soared to get it. But he went two for eight tonight from three, four for 10 from the field. It seemed as if he actually shot a little bit better than that. Like he, it didn't really seem like his shooting woes were obstructing the flow of the game. Like a lot of his, attempts I don't know they look pretty fluid and there were a couple shots that he kind of forced up there that he was getting closed out on pretty hard um but I mean I, I think that he was fairly essential to keeping the Mavericks in the game tonight um in that starting lineup yeah I mean without a doubt Reggie definitely had a little bit more of effect than what we see in the stats um you know defensively as you mentioned you know he's beat off the first foot you know beat off just bad closeouts uh, over aggression whatever it was but as you said you know you can expect that whenever it's against Kevin Durant and Devin Booker um even still i felt like he had a really good defensive game um you know he was as you said like kind of the main defender on Devin Booker at times and even whenever you know Booker was really catching heat and making pretty much every mid-range shot he can um Reggie was still playing a good good defender on that like there's really not much you can do whenever it's good offense better defense or uh good defense better offense there's really not much you can do in that scenario um you know offensively I like what you said where it kind of felt like he had better uh or I guess like more of a shot diet more of a volume of shots like that that were made um but even still it went two of eight from the three-point line um finished up with 10 points in this one and had two steals just to speak to the defensive side of things um but yeah definitely felt like one where at times, you know, you could definitely feel him missing shots, but at times it definitely felt like he heated up um, in this game. And that that's, I guess, just really kind of what entails for him. You know, he was kind of not the main defender, but second defender, I guess, in this one. I would probably tally Josh as the best defender throughout this game, but uh, Reggie in his own right definitely had a great game. Um, never really saw him do anything, you know, too special or too intricate. Uh, whenever it came to offense or defense, just kind of stuck to his own game. But outside of that, I think I still think he had a really good game. Um, one where, like I said, you know, you look at the stats and you probably are like, okay, not a very good game from Reggie, but this is one where it, the stats don't really prove justice to what he did. No, I would definitely agree. Another aspect of this one that we kind of failed to mention from the beginning, which is kind of surprising, is that Maxi Cleaver was out with this one. He was still experiencing a little bit of hamstring tightness. Uh, it just seems to be a sort of, 
issue that's kind of persisting after the fallout from that hamstring tear, but it doesn't know. I don't think it's going to be anything that if I'm just guessing, I don't think it's going to be anything that really obstructs him down the line, as long as the Mavericks are managing him. Right. It, well, he was coming off two days of rest, of course, in between these games. And so that, that was interesting to see how they um, kept him out of this one. But nonetheless, I, you know, I think his inclusion of this game could have definitely provided some, a little bit more um, paint defense, especially with how switch heavy the Mavericks were having to be in this game. Um, just with the amount of ball screens that the uh, Suns ran, you know, with Chris Paul or Katie and Booker at the top of the key to get them mismatches and things of that nature. Uh, I do think Maxi could have helped a little bit in this one. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much the ripple effects of that would have been on the game, but I mean, that, that obviously matters too. By virtue of him missing uh, this game, the Mavericks actually went to Markeith Morse a little bit uh, for a very brief stretch in the I believe it was like the end of the first quarter beginning of the second quarter and he only yeah. played two like two minutes and some change but it almost seemed as if he should have got a little bit more run there what did you think from the brief couple moments you got we saw from him yeah I think you know I'm trying to really think of why they brought him in I want to say it was I mean he was uh, playing the five when he came in yeah I was and about it, to say it was, I when, uh, it was when Aiton went out and I think Landell had came in so I think they were kind of just probably trying to stretch the floor a little bit and see yeah if, you know, when they, they did get those switches, you know, particularly on like a KD or something, a bigger guy like that, maybe he could provide a little bit um, of uh, perimeter defense. But, you know, we did obviously see him get kind of pinpointed in the pick and roll a couple of times. I think campaign blew past him. Uh, yeah. But against those bigger guys, he's not really necessarily a terrible defender. And, you know, he's got a lot of strength on him. So um, he made a three when he was in there in transition. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, is, should there be a call to action for him to see a little more time on the floor? Or do you think that – the inability to guard guys like under six, six is going to provide too much of a stranglehold for his ability to see time on the court and just his like general shape and stuff. I, I think there's an argument to be made there. I think if you're, I guess, just looking for some more, uh, not, not even like stretching the floor, but just more size, I guess you can say, uh, you can definitely throw him in there. I think that that's a guy you know, you could probably throw in there with Maxi. You know, that's Maxie. what I was thinking. I think he yeah. should be playing with a big. I think he should yeah. be. Yeah. You know, I know, I know it's positionless, but I, I think he's a guy that needs to be matched up on bigger wings or fours and things of that nature. I, I do get. I just don't know if he has the height and length. Like it, yeah. it sketches me out when he's playing the five, especially against better centers. But against a guy like Landell, it's not. It's not terrible to go to for a few minutes. No, exactly. And you know, we saw Cameron Payne exploit that quite a bit. You know, just. I guess getting the pick and roll going and beat him off the first step or beat him by speed alone. But outside of that, I think that there should be a little bit more of a call just to play him. You know, we're seeing him get minutes, definitely a restriction on that. He's not playing like any more than like four minutes a game, but um, in the minutes that we are seeing, I think that we haven't seen anything too negative. Like he's, he's probably doing the best he can, you know, role wise uh, for a guy that doesn't play a whole lot. He's, you know, finding ways to get in the game, you know, offensively and defensively for that matter. Uh, I, I think it's someone that, you know, come playoff time might be a little interesting to see if we can work him in a little bit. Um, and I mean, heck, I, I'd like to see him get a bigger role now. But um, yeah, like I said, you know, just pairing him with a big, I think would be interesting because offensively his game works more as a four or a traditional four. Um, than yeah, as a roller for sure. Yeah, yeah. you want to see him relegated to, I mean, he can he can stretch a four. Like I, I think, you know, against like some of those drop coverage fives, like Landell, for instance. You know, it's it's not terrible to throw him out there for a second. Um, but you know, you can get eight and alive on the glass as well as 
you know, defensively. So that, that was a really interesting wrinkle that they went to. So I, I'm interested to see how Mavericks fans, you know, sort of respond to that. I know we covered Tim Hardaway Jr. and his sort of second quarter explosion. I mean, he went six for 10 from three tonight, 21 points. What did you see from him tonight that really um, invigorated um, a sense of Tim Hardaway, Jr., Tim Hardaway Sr. being in the building, even though he wasn't there tonight? Uh, I think I want to see a statistic on this, but I feel like Tim has been playing really good on national televised games, especially ESPN games. Um this probably will be the first game of the season where we've lost where Tim Hardaway's made six plus threes. Uh, I feel like probably, yeah, yeah I, I feel like we could probably tie that as the first one. Um, it definitely felt like the first one, but uh, yeah, I mean, just his effectiveness, being able to create not his own offense, but be able to create like in transition threes, just sort of pull up threes. Uh, oftentimes, you know, those are shots where you, you look at it and you're like, okay, that's not a good shot initially, but after it goes in, you change your mind. Um, he was able to really be the benefactor off of like, yes, he made a, a bunch of threes, but even, you know, driving and sort of pulling up in the mid range, uh, I feel like, I think it was Tim Cato had an interesting stat where he was like 42% from three in the last two months, but 32% from the, the uh, inside the three point range. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I think it was something like that. Um, but I, I think that this was one where definitely it looked like he was more effective pretty much anywhere on the floor. Uh, and heck, even defensively, he had a very good man-to-man defense tonight. Uh, rotationally, was a little lackluster to say the least. Uh, definitely more of a Tim Hardaway game rotationally, but def- man-to-man up uh, defensively, I felt like he was really effective. He had that one. I felt like this was probably one of his best defensive possessions uh, of the season, where you know, with like 18 seconds left, you know, Kevin Durant took him off the dribble and had that insanely pull-up uh, jumper in which he made. But, uh, I mean, Tim Hardaway was all over his face. I don't know how he made that. I don't think anybody in the league could have made that other than Kevin Durant. And, of course, we saw it go in. But um, outside of that, I, I still feel like, you know, Tim Hardaway, this was probably one of his best games of the season. And I, and I know it came in a loss, which sucks. But this was one where, I, I don't know, it just kind of seemed like whatever he was doing, he wasn't missing from pretty much anywhere on the floor. Yeah, and I like the way that the Mavericks have been using his spacing to – really uh, revolutionized the offense when Kyrie or Luca's in there. And I mean, they've kind of done this with Luca, but, you know, obviously you can, the defensive woes are sort of sacrificial of this, but you know, when, when you're able to, they use him a lot in like horns actions and at the top of the key, um, you know, with, with him as a ball screener, when he gets really hot, you know, and then flaring out uh, to make some threes. And I mean, that, that just creates a lot for the spacing because if Tim starts getting as hot as he is and he can't miss from three, um, you know, Kyrie and Luca draw double teams nearly like every time. So, I mean, that's just going to lead to a lot of opportunities for him if he can cash in. So, I mean, there is something to the effect of that. He did close the game today over Josh, which I thought was interesting, but I mean, he had it going. So, and, you know, Josh was playing good defensively, but the way that the match sort of evolved into a shootout, I don't know if I necessarily have too much of a problem with it, um, especially since he wasn't really a black hole in defense, at least man to man tonight. So, you know, I don't know how much better Josh would have defended the last possession um, than versus Tim, um, just in terms of how he's able to, you know, get his hand up on KD and things of that nature. Uh, I'm not saying that he's a better defender or anything like that, of course, but like, you know, just he, he was competing tonight. I mean, yesterday, I keep saying tonight. And, uh, <laughs> I can't break it, man. Um, but it was, and it was a not a sight for sore eyes because Tim's been pretty solid down the stretch here but I mean if we can get this continued offensive output from him that's really going to do wonders for this team 
as we close out the regular season and, you know, get to the playoffs and, you know, as bad as their defense can be at times, it, it adds another dynamic to their offense when he's hitting like he is. So that was great to see from him tonight. Um, otherwise, what did you think of Justin Holiday tonight? He got some, you know, Justin Holiday and Frank for that matter. They both got a little run where they had to, you know, kind of defend Katie and Booker, things of that nature. And I, you know, I think they provide some invaluable wing defense. You know, they were hitting some tough shots over them, of course, but I thought they played solid defense. Uh, Frank specifically really didn't contribute much offensively. He, besides making a free throw after he got up, he was one of the few guys that actually got a transition opportunity tonight. Uh, and he cashed in, made two free throws. And then uh, Justin Holiday, uh, he, I think he was able to pick off an inbounds pass one time and then he made a corner three. Um, but other than that, I think, you know, it was really that their wing defense at the Mavericks. I don't know if they play Frank in a game like this, if they're not playing the Suns who are just so versatile in terms of how many ways they can score. And, you know, they, there was a call to action for them to come in the game and I don't know how much they limited KD, but I mean, they tried and I thought they played pretty good defense for what it's worth. Yeah. I think uh, just like the build of those two is able to not counteract what they do, but uh, it definitely, I feel like it was more of an effort to stop uh, and even, you know, limit both those guys and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, but even still, like they were able to pretty much score at will. But I thought that was the two like off the bench defensive duos that really, you know, are really effective. Um, I like how you said, you know, you don't really throw Frank in a game where, you know, you need offense or anything like that, but in a game like this, where, you have two spearheads who can score in pretty much any fashion of the offensive end. Like you have to pretty much throw him in there. Um, we saw what he did in the playoffs, that being Frank, like, you know, we saw what he did in the playoffs against Devin Booker. Um, not saying he had the same effect in this game, but definitely uh, brought a different dynamic. And I, I just think that those two really brought, you know, an intensity and uh, a rotational defense that this team doesn't really have uh, in that starting lineup. And off the bench is honestly kind of a, a, a treat to have. Um, Justin Holiday uh, offensively, like pretty much did what he was asked, you know, made a corner three, I think, and then made, I don't remember exactly what sort of two pointer it was. I think it was like, no, a, it, was a, it was like a Duncan transition. Yeah. I was, I was about to say, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah he got a that bad pass. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, outside of that, I think offensively, there wasn't much that they did, wasn't really too effective. But, um, I mean, efficiency wise, I guess if you want to call it that, they were really good on offense. And yeah, defensively, I think that the, they brought a, a pressure defensively that I, I just don't think anybody else on that bench can really bring. Yeah. I mean, I get in a series against the Suns or really like any other team that has two dynamic ball handlers or um, even more guys that can put pressure on the rim. If you want to count Chris Paul, of course, who, you know, I think you would probably want to not, not negate his inclusion, of course, as well. Uh, this is, these are guys that, I mean, can take a little bit of that relief off of Josh and Reggie. And I mean, I think in a playoff series like this, like both of them could honestly see a role just from the defensive perspective, even though, you know, Frank has a tendency to be a black hole on offense at times. So um, I, I thought that they definitely served a purpose tonight, um, even though they played limited minutes. I think they played 22 minutes combined, but uh, they weren't just uh, a bleak 22 minutes of nothingness. So that was that was good to see. Um, you know, what do you think of the whole Dwight Powell versus Christian Wood thing in this game? Obviously, we kind of talked about earlier when we were talking about the game sequentially how Christian Wood, you know, didn't play those last couple of minutes, but he got a little bit more burn in this one than we're accustomed to because Jason Kidd rode his hot hand a little bit throughout large stretches of that fourth quarter. Uh, but he, he kind of scarcely played in that first half, and the Mavericks definitely deferred to, you know, Dwight a lot more without having Maxi in this one. Um, what do you think from – what did you see from both of them tonight, and who do you think should have closed the game? Uh, I, I mean, I guess I'll start with the elephant in the room. 
Um, you know, even though Dwight had overall a pretty good game. Um, he battled on the glass as good as he could have versus Aiden, but I mean, versus he, Aiden, proved, yeah. he proved no, you know, comparable um, sort of size uh, comparison there because Aiden was just towering over him. I mean, he had 16 rebounds in this game and there, I mean, there admittedly there weren't a lot of rebounds to be had in a game like this um, because uh, this, this year amount of points scored on both sides, but that makes every more rebound, you know, that much more valuable. So, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, Dwight Powell's effectiveness wasn't felt too heavy, but even still, he didn't have a, a, a bad game at least. Um, I felt like he pre- in his role. I felt like he played pretty good, but even still, um, you know, Christian Wood, the high end, and you can even argue was more of a defensive pressure uh, whenever it came down low. Um, I guess we saw like the cold snaps of the Phoenix Suns, the very few that we saw. I, I think Christian Wood was in the lineup. Not saying, you know, there's a direct correlation there, but uh, I mean, there's definitely something to be said about that. Um, definitely the guy who kind of kickstarted the offense at times, whenever I thought it was stale, he was kind of bringing in a pressure, uh, whether it was, you know, closing off of uh, whatever it was, you know, getting inside the paint, dunking. Um, he was kind of like, in that fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, especially in that fourth quarter. Um, and he, yeah, like as I mentioned, defensively, I thought he was really good. Um, now that last three minutes, we, we already touched up on it. I, I definitely think that, you know, it, I don't think it was a coincidence that the offense kind of, or even defense for that matter, it stagnated whenever he was taken out um, in that three minute, 45 minute segment or whenever he was taken out, whenever it was. Um, I definitely would have liked to seen him sort of ride it. And I, I don't know if this was kind of a, a weird minute thing where you feel like you know you can't play him past you know 20-ish minutes in this game because he's pretty much played the whole entire fourth quarter I don't know if it was something like that or whatever it was from Jason Kidd but I still feel like should have rode the hot hand there and he he did at times uh but let him play uh I mean it definitely seemed like I said the defense and offense was kind of um piggybacking off of what he was able to do yeah no and just his ability to serve as a release valve, like when they haven't, we haven't really seen a lot because he's playing with these bench lineups so much of him, Luca, and Kyrie together. Um, and I know that there's some defensive holes that can persist, of course, especially, you know, it's very like game dependent, you know, with Christian one, his defense, but in a game where, you know, his switching was actually pretty valuable in this one, he was able to guard up against some small guys, things of that nature, um, as well as being able to, you know, also, defend Aiton as good as he could have. I mean, he forced a couple of misses at the rim there. Those are, you know, that's what you're looking for from him. And he's obviously not always going to bring that to the table, of course, but he got up for a game like today. And when he was, when he's not a black hole on defense um, and he was relieving as much pressure as he was offensively. I mean, he definitely, there's an argument to be made that he should have played some more minutes. I mean, I don't know if it would have affected the final outcome, but who knows really, I guess it, but he was having a really good game. And it didn't seem like it was obstructing from the flow of the offense. You know, sometimes they make it like a concerted effort to like get him involved, but you know, it seemed as if more like, Oh, if the possession was dead, they'd go to him or, you know, I'd like to see a little more probably like direct Kyrie Christian Wood actions, um, you know, with trying to like actually do some pick and rolls and things of that nature. Like we saw with Luca early on. And I just think they could open a lot more up for the Mavericks offensively in terms of their spacing. If they play a little bit more as much as they're scoring right now. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, in those bench lineups, uh, I did think he did a good job pinpointing mismatches and, you know, isolation scoring, which isn't always the case, but in a game like he was doing good tonight, I don't know. I, I would probably wrote him down the stretch, but it is what it is. Did you have any, um, gripes with the officials tonight? 
or but I mean I don't even know if I did really did I didn't think that they were too bad um but particularly the ESPN broadcast seemed very and in and, and Mr. Hubie Brown all 85 years old of himself looked very favorited towards the Suns and I was kind of getting annoying at first now because this seems to be our little special now where we microanalyze the broadcasting of the Sunday matinee games but uh, did you have any gripes with any of that stuff tonight? Because uh, I, I saw some complaints, of course, on Twitter and stuff. Yeah, so I won't lie. Um, I listened to the first half with sound, and then I listened to the second half without sound. Um, not saying that it was, you know, that awful, but uh, there's definitely times, and I know me and Will off the air have definitely had many conversations about how old and how this man, Hubie Brown, should probably be retired by now. Um, but, yeah, without a doubt, I, I definitely do think that there was – some annoying moments in the game. It definitely wasn't as bad as that Lakers game, I felt like, but there was some uh, questionable calls, to be said the least. But, um, yeah, outside of that, you know, I didn't really feel like I I listened enough to, you know, have too many rants, I guess, to go on about this. But, yeah, I I don't know how you feel about it, but there's definitely times where it's kind of cringy. Yeah, for sure. Um, But, no, I don't think the officiating affected the game in any sense. Like, it was pretty solid on both sides. But there were a few – if he calls going either way. So it kind of is what it is. Nonetheless, did you want to get in any, any guys from the Suns? I know we already kind of covered the main spearheads of their offense a little bit, but um, did you want to highlight any of their role players that played decent tonight? You know, I got that like Josh Kogi, for instance, had a good game. Um, we obviously talked about how Aiton's offensive impact kind of fizzled out because of just the extreme shot diets of Booker and KD and how they really didn't need to go to him. It's kind of a nice luxury to have. Uh, the same as Chris Ball, who can kind of just, freelance and bring the ball up the court and then just you know they run they run they'll run some pin downs and staggers for you know Booker and Durant to get the ball in their spots where Paul's facilitating but in large part like you know he's able to just kind of play as in this sort of consolidating role where he can just attack off a closeout and he's just like another offensive valve that they had you know I know his defense isn't necessarily what it used to but I think it makes Chris Paul's role a lot easier especially for him at this age you can see how it's just not as laborsome as what he had to do for the Suns last year, and that, that's a huge luxury for them. Um, but, you know, they definitely had – they got some good contributions from their role players. We obviously talked about Luka not closing out on Ish Wainwright. Um, there was even one with Torrey Craig. And, um, you know, those those two guys as well as Josh Kogi just kind of talked to their – first off, their, like, defensive impact, but, you know, particularly with the Kogi um, and how that what, – what they were able to do offensively, even though Kogi, like, severely struggled as the Mavericks continuously left him open from three. Yeah, you know, I – like you look on the bench outside of Ish Wainwright, there really wasn't anybody that was too effective. Um, you know, Wainwright, of course, had those open corner threes where I just felt like Luca was kind of the the benefactor of why he made those just l- really a lack of effort closing out on those. And, you know, I mean, any NBA player, I don't think you can really leave wide open for a corner three point shot. And that's another guy where, you know, isn't the best shooter, but uh, I mean, it's NBA talent. If you leave anybody open, anybody can make it. And that's exactly what we saw. We make him or we saw him make four or five. Um, Josh Akogi, I think was like the lone starter where, you know, you kind of look at the stats and definitely say he had a bad game, but I, I think there's arguments to be made that he definitely had a really good game, especially defensively. Um, he, he had some really, really good moments against Luca, um, and kind of just, you know, limited Luca to settle. And that's exactly what we saw Luca do. He settled on most some shots and that's, you know, kind of what effect he brought. Um, he had that one off the, I don't know if it was a free throw or a missed shot or what, but he had that one put back um that was honestly pretty clean uh and I know early in the broadcast they had mentioned how you know since putting on the mask he had a a really elevated um offensive production and I I think that that um three of 13 shooting tonight was uh, or uh, 
yesterday was kind of counterintuitive, but um, yeah, I, I I think he's a guy that, you know, you can kind of limit um, offensively, but defensively he, he shows his mark and he did on this game. Um, and even still, I mean, he found ways to get it done and, even so, yeah, like I said, he had a, he had a good a good game um, on one side of the ball, not really offensively though. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, they have a like a plethora of guys. Like they're a little deeper than you would have think. Just some of the sort of buyout things and uh, trade deadline things that they did, just to be able to throw out defensively. I mean, they obviously don't have the insane, splashy defenders that they did in Cam Johnson or Mikael Bridges. But I mean, you know, if TJ Warren ever gets hot, I mean, I know he's a little bit past what he was doing a couple of years ago with that whole bubble performance and everything, but. I mean, uh, Damian Lee, Terrence Ross, like Darius Baisley and Saban Lee didn't even play tonight. And both of those guys can provide some wing defense, especially Baisley against some bigger guys. I mean, he played a pretty integral role for a young Thunders team. Like they might actually have some decent possession. So that'll be intriguing to see how that sort of wraps up as we go forward. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree. Like this team, you look on paper, uh, they definitely have more depth than what they, or at least what the argument was post Kevin Durant trade. Uh, I mean, Darius Baisley, he's a guy at least throughout his career has been pretty efficient and, you know, he's not even given minutes in this team. Um, but outside of that, you know, the Suns, they got it done tonight or uh, Jesus, they got it done yesterday. Um, and uh, of course, you know, close out the game better than the Mavericks did and um, definitely headways for an interesting playoff series. If these two ever do meet and uh, I would be, I would be, I don't know how to, how to word this, but I, I, I'm definitely looking forward to it to say the least. Yeah. Uh, you would you would be enthralled if they played each other in the playoffs. And I mean, just outside of, you know, the actual encore product that, you know, we're more like logistically inclined to cover. And, you know, I mean, as, as much as, you know, you kind of hate it sometimes, like the ESPN narratives of like the two stars of Luca versus Booker and Kyrie versus KD and the whole legacy thing. Like that would be like really cool to see, of course, as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this involves with them. Of course, the Mavericks two and six in their last eight games. They only got 17 games to mend these wounds um they've already lost i think two more games no they've lost more games now officially than they did last year so uh because they've had they're at 33 losses i believe are they at 500 now uh they're 33 and 32 okay so yeah they're almost at um 500 so they I mean, play least, the jazz tomorrow so yes they play the jazz tomorrow and i just saw that max is questionable in the injury report so hopefully we get him back to counteract marking in a little bit even if it's just in you know whatever capacity that he's playing against him um, but also I just want to make sure he's healthy for the playoffs because his inclusion will be paramount, but another lo- rough one for the Mavericks on national television guys. And it sucks, but got to move forward. This is the stretch of the season that is integral to how this team fares. I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, another news like Nerlens Noel came off the buyout market. He was signed by a 10 day contract to the nets, but I mean, I guess it's still technically possible that the Mavericks get him off. If he comes off of that 10 day, um, they're still seeking rim protection. You know, there's some, some other guys on the buyout market. I don't know if the Mavericks are really poised to do anything at this point, but I guess we'll just have to see. I, I you know, I still hope that they make a move around the margins, but at the end of the day, I just don't know how much it's going to matter without already, um, you know, sort of limited this defense. It is uh, limited. This defensive is and how poverty stricken it, it can be at times, you know, those buyout guys just won't play enough to marginally increase it, you know? Um, but nonetheless, this has been another episode of mainstream mass podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. Make sure to like, subscribe, and comment if you are on the YouTube game, or if you are on the YouTube gang. Shout out to the YouTube gang. Um, comment uh, if you're on YouTube how much Europeans are playing in the Mavericks versus Jazz game. Just give me the total, or actually foreign-born players for that matter. How many? How many? 
how much oh geez my girlfriend already always harps on me for doing the whole much and many spiel but whatever uh nonetheless also make sure to subscribe or follow us on apple Podcasts or spotify or whatever respected podcast platform you're listening on we're on almost everything so you can just literally go to our link tree and find anything there uh, and give us a five-star rating and tell us what you like or dislike about us as you feel so inclined but we appreciate you guys if you listen this far in the podcast and jaron we will catch you guys tuesday night versus utah versus utah yes bye bye bye